0: Foreman Podcasts should not be interpreted as legal advice and are intended for general information purposes only. Welcome to the Byrne Foreman Take Five Immigration Podcast Series. The Take Five Podcast Series is a weekly five-minute high-level overview on what businesses need to know each week as it relates to immigration. My name is Melissa Azalian. I'm a partner on the labor and employment and immigration team at Byrne Foreman, and I will be your host for this podcast series. I've been practicing in the business immigration arena for more than 20 years, working with clients in multiple industries, such as manufacturing, healthcare, food and beverage, and education. So let's get started and talk about immigration this week. As we've discussed in our prior podcast, the Presidential Proclamation, 10052, precludes certain individuals from coming to the U.S. until January 1st, 2021, including those on H-1B or H-2B visas, L visas and J visas, unless narrow exemptions apply. Given these restrictions, many multinational companies with offices in the U.S. and abroad continue to consider alternative immigration strategies in hopes of bringing employees to the U.S. as soon as possible for business purposes. And one visa strategy that I want to talk about today that a business might consider is the E-2 investor visa. Now, the E-2 treaty investor visa is appropriate when a foreign entity or individual invests a substantial amount of money into a U.S. business with the goal of creating an active operating enterprise in the U.S. The first consideration is whether there's an appropriate treaty between the U.S. and the treaty investor or employee's country of citizenship. The Department of State has published a list of countries with which the United States maintains treaties of commerce and navigation on its website, which is travel.state.gov. For example, there's a treaty between the U.S. and Germany, but not a treaty between the U.S. and India or South Africa. So citizens of those countries do not qualify for the E-2 visa status. Currently, there are more than 80 countries which hold E-2 treaties with the United States. Now, nationality is important. The E-2 visa rules require both the foreign national coming to the U.S. to invest or work and the petitioning company to have the same nationality. The nationality of an investor or employee is typically determined by their citizenship. If someone is a dual citizen, we will often look to the passport for travel by the individual and what citizenship they typically claim in determining what their citizenship is for E-2 purposes. And a corporation's nationality is determined by at least 50% ownership of the company, which could be ownership by a corporation abroad, maybe in that home country, or by individuals. There must be a substantial investment into the U.S. business. And this is typically a sliding scale, but investments of $100,000 or more into the U.S. enterprise typically qualify. Now, the invested amount is weighed against the total cost of purchasing or creating the business. It has to be sufficient to ensure the investor's financial commitment to the successful operation of the business, and it must support the likelihood that the investor will successfully develop and direct the business. The lower the cost of the business, typically the higher the percentage of investment is required. Now, who can be sponsored? An investor or an employee with a qualifying nationality. So the E2 strategy can be utilized to sponsor either an investor or an employee of the U.S. operation. Maybe the individual is coming to work as an employee in a supervisory managerial position, such as a production manager, or they might possess skills that are necessary to operating the company, maybe like an engineer or a technical specialist. And that E2 investor may only work for the company that they've invested in, and they have to typically direct and develop the enterprise as an investor. Now the investment must be at risk. So the investor can purchase or invest in an existing business, or they might start a new business. The funds must come from a legitimate source and it can't be obtained through any criminal activity. The business also cannot be marginal, which means it can't be used by the investor solely to earn a living for himself or his family. So we're typically in these types of cases looking for an active operating enterprise with growth over time. For a new or startup enterprise, we're looking for a solid business plan, which talks about company revenue projections and personnel needs. Now, how long is the e-visa valid for? Typically, the visa itself is issued for a five-year period. But once the individual comes into the U.S. and is given an I-94, their entry period into the U.S. is usually two years upon each entry into the U.S., When the actual visa expires at the end of the five-year period, that visa must be renewed at the consulate. Now, the process for an E-2 visa is a little different than some other work visas in that most petitions are filed directly at the U.S. consulate. And this is an advantage because it allows companies and individuals to bypass a filing with the Department of Homeland Security, but plan accordingly because there are currently consulate backlogs and delays. So probably 8 to 12 weeks from the time of filing to adjudication is normal, an emergency request may be considered. What about family members? E2 investors and employees can also bring their family to the U.S., which would be a spouse or any child under the age of 21, and a spouse can apply for an employment authorization to work in the U.S. The bottom line is the e-visa strategy may be a solid visa option for U.S. companies with locations abroad, when they're seeking to bring individuals to the U.S. as either investors or employees, if they have the same nationality as the company, and a treaty exists between the U.S. and the country of citizenship of the investor or the employee. So that wraps up our Take 5 Immigration update for this week. I hope this update has been helpful as we strive to cover business immigration issues at the forefront. If you'd like to see any topics addressed or have any questions, please reach out to me at mazallion at burr.com or any other BRRRR form attorney. Stay tuned next week as we provide an update on what is happening at the Department of Homeland Security USCIS Division regarding fee and form changes and how those might impact your upcoming visa and green card filings. We will also address the latest developments with the public charge rule. Also, to find podcast webinars and legal resources on immigration, please visit our website at BRRRR.com. This series is available on Apple Podcast. Thank you for listening today.